Hello and welcome in to Season 2 on the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb McCall. Tune in for Kingdom Conversations with Kingdom People and where we talk everything recovery and the church. Man, I'm just so excited. You know, uh, me and uh, Brother Jeremy got connected a couple of years ago at an addiction rally with Brother uh, Gary Jones, man. I've always said it about him, man. He's a connector, man. He's like a bridge. He has connected and brought together so many people in the kingdom, man. There's something going on too between Tennessee and Alabama. I uh, know I'm telling you, man, with me, you and Apostle and Gary and just all of those folks down there, uh, Jasper here in Tennessee, there's just just so many connections that God is is bringing forth, man, which is which is incredible. Tennessee and Alabama, it ain't football; it's about the kingdom. Come on, we, uh, yeah. we might not get along on a Saturday, <laughs> but but on Sundays we could get along, right? Come on, but uh, God is doing something incredible within these two states, man, and just bring uh, brothers and sisters together uh, in ministry in these areas, man. And like I said, you know, we met first time we met, brother, we're casting out devils together, <laughs> baptizing folks together, preaching and exhortating in the gospel and, uh, you know, doing outreach, clothing and, and feeding people. It was just an incredible day. And I knew, man, I just want to say this before I turn you loose, man. I just really felt a connection in my spirit with you uh, when we first met because, man, you're the real deal. You know, uh, and, you know, I don't say that lightly and I don't say that to everybody, um, but you can tell and see authenticity on folks, especially with discernment, which we were talking about before we jumped on recording, man. That's that's something that the body of Christ really needs to be seeking after is discernment, man. But uh, you're just an incredible kingdom leader, brother. And uh, that's why I wanted to have you on the show today and turn you loose and share what God has been doing out there in the kingdom and so I'm extremely grateful that you came on. I know you're busy, man. You're all over the place, all over the Southeast and evangelizing and preaching, uh, going all over the nation. And I'm I'm just uh, uh, tickled to have you, man. So, Jeremy, for our um, listeners that might not know you, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, your testimony, your background, where you come from and what God's got you doing now? I uh, sure will. My thank you so much. Uh, and it's a you talking about meeting at the recovery meeting. That was a good time. What oh, a way man. to see somebody casting out devils. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man. I'm pretty much. Uh, I was born uh, here in Alabama. Uh, was born actually. I was born in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at uh, Erlanger Hospital. But was raised in Bama. Um, my mom raised me. My dad wasn't in the picture. Uh, we were very, very poor. I come from a very poor upbringing. Mm. Uh, the very first house we lived in, we didn't have running water. But my wow. mom, she, everything that I contribute to who I am now is mm. making things happen. I learned from my mom. Yeah. She didn't make excuses. We, somebody at our church that we went to, it gave us a little red wagon for me. Mm-hmm. And we would actually walk to a well and we would fill that red wagon up with empty milk jugs of water. From wow. The well. Wow. Go back home, use the water at home and stuff like that. Yeah. But through every adversity that I watched my mom go through, mm. I learned that she never one time stopped trusting God. Come on. And so we went from living in this shack, pretty much what it was, uh, to living in the projects. And mm. and so, you know, we we had a very close neighborhood oriented, you know, with the people that we were there with. Um, and I watched my mom struggle with her health, uh, but she always had faith. Yeah, 
everything for, that my mom went through was faith instilled into me. Uh, never one time did she say, I'm not going to make it. Never one time did she say, God's not going to pull us through. Mm. And so we went from being on food stamps, all of this other kind of stuff, to the day she died, she was on um, disability. But through all of that, she trusted mm. God from every bit of it. Wow. She taught me how that the Lord can bring you further than any man ever could. That's right. And, um, so, you know, when I was born, I had the, my umbilical cord was wrapped around my throat, was choking, was dying. Wow. Uh, and my mom was hemorrhaging. She was dying. And uh, that's where I learned that, you know, that we're the promise that can't be aborted. You come know, on. The enemy will try to choke you out, but yeah. you can't, you know, when God's oh, got plans on. for you, he can't restrict what's going to come, come out. On. Come can't on. Stop him. Yeah. So um, went from there. Um, and then my mom, she raised me on her own. Uh, my dad, like I said, he wasn't in the picture. And then my mom had married this guy. Uh, this is where I kind of got first introduced to, um, I guess, addiction and what it does to people. Uh, my mom had married this guy um, who at the time we didn't know really who he really was. Some people mm. in church had introduced him and then they got married that his true colors came out uh, and uh, come to find out he was very abusive. Mm. Every day of my life, this guy beat me for six mm. months while they were married. And he was a drug dealer in North Alabama, very prominent drug dealer. Mm. And I would see the effects. I was, there were people that would come to his house just uh, in rough shape because mm. of the addiction. Right. And I remember uh, saying, I was like, I'm never going to do that. I ain't never going to do that. You know, mm -hmm. And all the while, couldn't wait to get out of there, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because of the abuse that this guy had done. And then finally, my mom left him. He came and he uh, was trying to kill us because my mom had a lot of information. Um, mom didn't care about it. She's just trying to get away. Right. Right. So he came. He beats my mom. Leaves. He thought that mm -hmm. my mom was dead. Him and his girlfriend. I was across the road at the school. Uh, we end up getting put in a, a hope place in Huntsville, Alabama. It's a place wow. for women and children. And uh, for so very for a little bit, we were having to stay there. We didn't have anywhere to go. Wow. And we came out. We had to stay with my mom's friend. Didn't have a place to live. I was we pretty much just homeless, just kind of going yeah. place yeah. to place. Wow. And I remember I had so much hate mm. because I couldn't understand. Uh, I'm 13, stepping mm. into becoming a young man. I'm in a transitional period of my life. Right. Uh, and I've seen what's happened to my mom. She has all this faith in God. Mm. But I resent God because I couldn't understand in my mind why he would allow mm. her to go through this. Right. And my mom still had faith and she would mm. still drag me to church. And I didn't trust anybody. You know, I was like, man, I ain't trying to hear all this mess. God, you know, God's allowed this to happen to you. And, you know. Right. Uh, so we go from there. The preacher's preaching this service at a uh, youth service one night. And it's like everything he was saying was hitting me. Mm. And so the walls begin to come down mm. and he gave an old school prayer line when the old fashioned Pentecostal prayer line. Yeah. And I don't remember the second step. Don't remember. the third, <coughs> But I remember the first one. That was it. Mm. And I was right before it's like this big line of people. I'm at the end of it. And the next thing I'm no, I know, I'm all the way up there with him. Wow. And he reads my mail. And so um, he pays our way or pays my way to go to this youth camp. Uh, and I get saved the second night of the youth camp, get filled mm. with the spirit. And, um, it wasn't long after that. And it, here was the thing. I want to say this, mm. the part of me getting saved and the spirit truly abiding in me and taking over my life mm. was I had to forgive the people that had the, this, this guy. That yeah. Hurt. Right. Right. And so now I live in a stage of my life where even though all of these things he put me through, 
Mm-hmm. I love this guy. I hadn't seen him, but I mm-hmm. pray that he gets saved. If I was yeah. to see him now, you know, I, I want to tell him about Jesus. Right, right. Uh, so we go from I get saved. I'm 13. When I am 14 years old, it's the first time the prophetic gift starts operating in my life. Mm. Sitting on a church pew, there's a guy who's in the altar and he's praying and he's just going through all of this stuff. And I saw him in my mind uh, getting getting saved, but it wasn't that night. Like he he had so much stuff he was holding on to. Mm-hmm. But I saw him the next week, literally the very next week. And, and my mom, she knew, you know, moms know the kids. Mm-hmm. She goes, what's wrong with you? And I'm sitting on the pew like I'm all nervous, cold sweating because it was scary. I didn't know what mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. Right, right. And uh, I said, nothing. She said, don't lie to me. She said, the Lord's showing you something. I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, he's showing you something about him. I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, won't you go tell him? I said, no, I'm a kid. I'm 15. <laughs> That's a grown man up there. I yeah. Tell him. yeah. So she says, well, tell me what he's telling you. So I told her. She says, go tell him. And uh, so I told him eventually, you know, just to make a long story short. Yeah, I yeah. Said, um, you got to hold on, man. I said, there's some things God's wanting to do. Mm. If you'll do these things next week, God's going to wreck your life, man. Yeah, yeah. To the day week to the day the guy's up there man god wrecks him he's a totally different guy he became a pastor mm. um wow so come on fast forward to my teenage years i was a yo-yo i was in and out uh and then my you know started preaching and uh then in 2008 i lost my mom mm. and i preached her funeral she was my anchor my best friend my biggest supporter I lost my mom and I'm going, 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 man, mm-hmm. preaching all these doors that opened up. I had not made resolves in my life. I hadn't dealt with the issue of the loss. Sure. Yeah. So I showed up to work one day. And uh, when I showed up to work, one of my buddies uh, said, hey, man, I see you down. He said, let me give you something to get your mind off all of this kind of stuff. And he introduced me to uh, to uh, pills mm-hmm. and some downers, get my mind off of it, just kind of numb me. Before you know it, I'm on prescription pills, mm. uh, then alcoholism, mm. then I'm smoking pot, and everything that I never wanted to be as a young man that I had saw uh, yeah. that I would never mm. be, and everything my mom taught me mm. not to be, I became. Wow. And it ran my life, man. It was, um, mm. I was functioning at work because I wanted to make sure that I did it just enough nobody could tell. Right, right. And, uh, but then when I would, I would take speed before I would get off work. About 30 minutes before I get off work, I take speed and I drink pre-workout and I go to the gym. I take downers all day, mm. take speed before I would get off work, go to the gym, work out with all that in my system. Then I would go home and take downers again and drink alcohol. Mm. And um, this That was my life. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember every single day just thinking to myself, what are you doing? Mm. And w- want to get away. And then. Uh, the day after St. Patrick's Day, um, I was laying on an air mattress, and this it ran my life for a year, man. It, mm-hmm. it ran my life for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I woke up on an air mattress with no hangover. Mm. No, that that was what you know. I tell people that when the night before I drank two bottles of vodka, had all kind of opiates in my system, mm-hmm. stuff in there. Should have died, really mixing all that alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, uppers and downers and all that. Yeah. yeah. Woke up the next morning with no hangover, nothing in a room full of people I didn't know on an air mattress. And the Lord literally began to speak to me. Wow. And all I could remember was this is not the man that you called me to be. 
mm. this man that my mother raised. And so I said, God, if you get me out of this, mm. I'll leave it alone. And it's been 13 years. Come on, Jesus. 13 years. Come on, so, man. Um, and so basically it, it led me into um, my life now. You know, I, I love that we do recovery. I went full time ministry. I've seen mm. God do so much, so, so very much miracles in my own mm. life. That God has performed. Um, and what I really I learned through all of that is faith. Is it just something we talk about? Come on. Yeah. It's something that we live. And, and yes, you, you, there's not a storm that's going to come your way that you'll never be able to get through. Right. right. There. My daughter said we were here at the house the other day. So I get to talk to him. No, you're good, man. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. The other day, my daughter was sitting here on the couch and she, there was a situation going on in her life. And she's 11 years old. And I believe that we need to be uh, there for our children. We don't yes, just, the, you know, we need to be there and teach right. them. And so she makes this statement on our sofa and she says, if this were to happen, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm going to lose. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And I stopped her before she went any further. Mm-hmm. I said, you're going to make it. I said, don't don't allow that language to become who you are. Right. This, right. Is, just, this is just a, a point in your life that these things are happening right now. And it's a it was a very serious issue. Yeah. Yeah. I told her, I said, um, you're going to make it through this. Don't ever think that, that God can't pull you through. Right. Right. And not only that, you have people that are there for you that are praying for you. I said, but at the end of the day, God is always the number one. When daddy can't be there, when mama yes. can't be there, God can be there. He That's is right. there. That's so right. never say that you can't make it. He's made you able. Come on. Going. Come so, on. All of the things that I went through, you know, it all led me to this point. We went full-time ministry last year, evangelizing, and um, we stay busy, man. That's mm-hmm. all. I never called a person. Uh, the day I went full-time, I'd, I'd worked my whole life taking care of my mom and then, you know, coming into a man. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's all I knew. I right. could trust God. I could trust God for giving you a miracle. I could <laughs> trust God for giving somebody else a miracle, but I couldn't trust him to the, to take care of me. That's what's sure, bad. Sure. And I tell yeah. people, we got, we got more faith in our jobs than we do in God. Man, you know? I'm telling you. So the day finally came, I went full-time. And uh, as I was, I, I came home, my wife drove me home. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed and I'm like, dude, what have you done? You just walked away from your career. You walked away from your job. And I was like, this is crazy. You are <laughs> out of your mind. You, you're out of your mind. Yeah. My yeah. phone rings and it's a phone number from Indiana. Yeah. And I almost didn't answer it. Yeah. And uh, so I, the Lord said, you need to take this one. Mm. And I answered the phone and only three people knew that I was full time, mm. that I had made this choice on this day. It was my yeah. wife, a friend of mine in Florida. And a friend of mine that's about 10 minutes away, but none of them had told anybody. Right, right. And I answered the phone. It's a pastor out of Indiana. And he operates in the prophetic. And he's, you know, he's he keeps yeah. his ear to the floor with the Lord, you know. Yeah, yeah. He says, is this Jeremy Ivy? I said, yes, sir. He said, this is the uh, pastor up here in Indiana. He said, I heard you just went full time. I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> you heard what? What? So God will put your name in people's ears. That's don't even right. Man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Amen, brother. Amen. So you had been preaching this whole time, you know, even started out young preaching. Mom passes. You go through a whirlwind of of struggles and troubles. God pulls you up out of it. And, uh, you know, you're you're working. So you were still preaching and doing all these things at the time. And then it was was it just last year that you went full time evangelizing? Yes. Okay, so it was just last year. I was thinking it was a little bit sooner or earlier than that. So, yeah. So you're out on the road full time 
right now. I mean, and so tell us some of the things, man, uh, that you're seeing in the kingdom, in these meetings, in these services, man, what is God out there doing um, with you and your ministry? And just what do you, what do you see in God doing the kingdom, man? Uh, <clears throat> for, I know the, one of the big things I know for the, uh, the saints, we were talked about it earlier is the Lord, uh, you know, it stays on me about, or he stays in my ear about our oil mm. ministry, the ministry's oil. And uh, for one is to, and, and, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, for one, it's the, in ministry, pastors, leaders of any type, mm. they go through a lot. I've seen more depression. Mm. I've seen more depression um, lately in ministry. Yeah. Know, they don't talk about it, but you can feel it. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing is, and I always will encourage, you know, the, the leadership mm. and no matter where I go. Because here's the thing, depression, the word depression is never mentioned in the Bible, but mm -hmm. you see the, the effects of it, right? Right, right. So the word depression, the D-E, those first two letters of depression, it, in, in the English language, it means off or to mm. remove. Mm. And so it, depression is depress. Mm. So it is to remove the pressure. So we go through things, tribulation, what is in Greek gets the pressure, right? Well, right. all of these things lead you closer to God. The enemy wants to get in your mind. You can't make it. Mm. So he wants to get you off the press. Right. Come on. So when you go through the press. It's a it's a quickening of your oil. Come on. Come on. So the, the enemy is attacking leadership by mm. putting in in mindsets of depression. So they won't go through the press. Yes. For oil. Mm -hmm. So, hey, man, I don't I don't mean to cut you off, but I feel something yeah. right here, man, where we, we need to stay here for a second, because one of the. One of the episodes I've got coming up that I'm going to be doing is uh, talking about ministry being a lonely place. And uh, it, we make it a lonely place. It's not, but we make it a lonely place. And one of the, you know, that was the question. What, what are you seeing going on in the kingdom and with kingdom leaders? You know, that's the office of the prophet and the evangelist is to come in, bring instruction, bring correction and lift up the pastors of the church that they are doing the the meetings at right that is yeah. the office of the the prof, prophet and the evangelist man and so it sounds like and this has been a thing man ever since covid too you know pastors have been going through the ringer uh and i i i, I don't want to take up too much of your time on this but I, i'm telling you one of the things that pastors struggle with with people is there's a a huge lack of honor in the with the offices and the fivefold ministry. That's one of the biggest things that we do on this show. I want to bring on the fivefold ministry so we can have discussions on what's going on in the kingdom. What is your office seeing? What's your office seeing? And because we got to come together, right? That fivefold, yes. right? It's meant mm -hmm. to come together. But so many pastors are struggling due to a lack of honor with congregation members, you know, and uh, lack of honor with just people they're working with in the ministry. We have got to be able to do life with one another and see the flaws and see the um, humanity of an individual yes. while all at the same time still honoring the gift that the individual is, right? Jesus says uh, the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. Well, yeah. well, what are we? We're, from the dust we came into the dust we yeah. shall return. Sometime the treasure is hid behind the dirty things, right? Sometimes yeah. that treasure is hidden behind the dirty things. And so when you lack honor, you know, Jesus couldn't do miracles in his hometown. 
because they lacked honor for the gift that he was because now you're Mary's boy, you're Joseph's boy, you're the carpenter. And and they seen the humanity side of him and could not respect his office. And man, I just, you know, maybe feed off of that a little bit, but man, I mean, you're seeing this in the kingdom, right? Man, where pastors are struggling. Yeah. It's, it's a, um, we were just, and here's the thing too, is this just not happening in, in meetings where I'm ministering or mm-hmm. conferences that I'm doing? We were yeah. at our home church and mm-hmm. there was a, a pastor was there who was, who was preaching a revival service for mm-hmm. us. And the Lord used me prophetically to speak into him mm-hmm. <clears throat> and showed me things that was going on. And yeah. uh, in leadership, like you said, it's a lonely place. People don't mm-hmm. understand. They mm-hmm. don't understand in, in, in that there, it is a very lonely place. Mm-hmm. Why do you, people don't really think about it. But you got the prophet who's bringing fire, he's calling fire down from heaven one minute. And the next thing you know, he's hiding. Right. He's hiding. Ups and downs, years. highs and lows of ministry. Yes. And man, when the highs are high, man, they're high. But high. when the lows are low, they're low. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, what I'm seeing is the Lord has used me to a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. uh, a lot to speak prophetically into leaders. Yeah. We're going to come through this, be encouraged. Yeah. And all of this is as a testing of your oil. Mm. it's a testing of your oil mm. and you're going to have people. And here's the thing. We, we got to start calling these things out too. Yeah. Yeah. You got to start, you know, the Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And, on. and and we got to, sometimes we have to take those moments. If somebody is doing something, if you're trying to bring your ship to a deeper realm of the kingdom mm-hmm. and you got somebody over here that's drilling holes, mm. we got to correct it because that's a behavior. If it's not addressed, yeah. Yeah. That if they they if they leave for whatever reason they leave, they're going to go mm. to somebody else's boat right. and do the same thing. So take them to the side, talk to them. Mm-hmm. But if it's hindering your vision, hey, it's okay, yeah. let them go. Right. And we got a lot of pastors that are holding on to people mm-hmm. because they're worried about how some, you know, they don't want to lose people or this, that, and the other. Let them yeah. go. Right. Let them right. go. Yeah. That sounds that sounds very rude or hurtful, but the fact is that your vision will never be fully realized. If you've got somebody who ain't got the, that ain't seeing the same vision as you. That's exactly right. So for me, I'm seeing a lot of the pastors, a lot are going through depression Mm. because it's an isolated place. Yeah. And so speaking prophetically into them and say, hey, you be encouraged, go through this. It's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. God's not leading you to leave you. Yeah. It's going to be all right. And what I have seen is I've seen churches begin to flourish Mm. when the pastors, just say, hey, dust yourself off. Be like that's David. Right. Encourage yeah. yourself. Yeah. Dust yourself off. God's got you. And what yeah. happens is on the other side of that thing, man, their churches begin to grow. You mm-hmm. see outreach. Mm-hmm. But this is the difference that I'm seeing in a lot of places, and that's in recovery. Mm-hmm. Churches that normally did not operate in the recovery and worked in helping recovery, mm-hmm. when they come through on this, you're yeah. seeing a lot of people in recovery that are coming into their churches. Right. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's what I'm seeing in the leadership. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's yeah, powerful. You know, powerful. Yeah, scene. yeah. That's some good stuff, man. I, I love what you said there, and using that analogy of, you know, drilling holes in the boat. They're gonna sink the ship. Let them go. Paul even gave instruction. He, I turned them over to Satan. I turned them over in hopes that they would get to a place of repentance. You know, because sometimes. Uh, it takes letting them go to for them to realize and see getting to a place of repentance. And this just ain't limited to um, 
you know, churches and things. I work in recovery ministries, man. Sometimes you have to let other folks go so that the vision can move forward and everybody be on the same page. And here's the other thing about it. You know, if they're serious about their faith and their walk, they're going to be fine. They're going to be okay. God's got them in the in the palm of his hand. And even if it takes some discipline, correction, uh, more discipleship, whatever, God's going to work it out. He who began a good work in them will see it to the day of completion. But don't hold your next season up because you are holding on to what was the last season. Amen. man. that's that's powerful. You know, I want to jump right into this because you I've heard you say it a couple of times and I'm excited for you to release this to the people. We was talking about it before we jumped on and started recording, you know, but you're going all around um, and you're preaching, you're doing these meetings, conferences, revivals, all of these things. And like, I know the Lord is speaking to you on something for the body of Christ as a whole. And like, uh, what is it right now that God is speaking to you that is intense, that you're like, the the, the body, we got to get a hold of this. We need this. We've got to participate in this together as a whole. Um, share with us, you know, uh, real quick, what what is the Lord speaking to you for the body right now? Uh, our oil. <clears throat> that we're keepers of the oil. Um, the Lord has really dealt with me greatly about mm. the Lord is calling us into a deeper realm of things because yeah. you have people who are smoky and mm. you got people who are oily. Mm. And so if you build a campfire, the intention of the campfire, if you're out camping, you're either trying to roast some weenies or some marshmallows. Come on. <laughs> trying to get warm. That's yeah. what you're trying to do. Yeah. But the issue is, is you have a lot of people who are like that smoke. The mm. very thing you're trying to get close to, the smoke will push you away. Wow. So the Lord woke me up one morning about being a keeper of the oil. And what happens is, is when you're a keeper of the oil, you go through things a, a lot more. And I, I talked about it just a little bit before, but uh, the oil in Leviticus, it talks about in the book of Leviticus that they they were commanded to take the olives mm. and beat them down into the purest form mm. of oil, mm. into a mortar, not to go through a meal or a a uh, like a factory process, an assembly line, right? Personal thing, mm. and they would beat that olive down until the olive was not left. Like our flesh, our mm. flesh has to be removed so the oil is all we see. Right, right. And they would beat it down. And as I began to study this about that process, I found that they would take those olives when they would beat them like that. When they go through that process of the mortar and the beating, that that flame that was produced out of that oil would burn brighter. Than mm-hmm. the other flames. Wow. Not only would it burn brighter than the other flames, that it would produce a uh, such a flame that it had minimal to no smoke at all. And mm-hmm. we're we're in a generation right now where there is smoke everywhere. Wow. A lot of people who are saying that they're part of the body, this, that, and the other, but their their acts and the way they're living their life, they're you can't tell. Mm. You can't tell. You got a lot of people that's gifted. They just ain't godly. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, oh, Go ahead, brother. <laughs> so, gifted, uh, but I ain't godly. Lord, have mercy. Um, mm. So the Lord showed me, he said, you got to be a keeper of your oil. Mm. And you have to get your oil to a place to where the smoke can't go. Mm. Because they would like this in the tabernacle because they wanted people to get closer. Mm-hmm. You can't get closer if there's smoke in there to choke you out. That's right. The Lord has really dealt with me a lot about our oil because our oil needs to be so potent, mm. so powerful. You know, in the with the oil, that first press was always the most powerful one. Mm-hmm. And but the enemy doesn't want you to go through the press. Mm-mm. He doesn't want you to go through that. Yeah. But once you do, you go through a place 
where the smoke can't go. You yeah. can hang around a campfire, you'll smell smoky. Mm. But if you hang around the oil, you know, um, what happens is with the, a buffalo, mm. they got that big hump back there, right? Yeah. So I learned this recently. I didn't know this. Mm. That's oil in that hump. Wow. That's on there. And when a predator gets after them, the oil will shift and it will start to secrete out of its pores. And it makes them harder to get because they get oily. Wow. And so <laughs> it's crazy. There's I a mean, message right there. Huh? Yes. <laughs> so when you get oily and mm. when you get, so that's the thing. We have to be so saturated, man. Mm. The world has got enough smoke, man. They got enough religion everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, man. I right here at my house, I could throw a rock. I'd have to throw it pretty hard. But there's a church like right down the road, and then another, there's churches everywhere. Right, right. Is the oil everywhere? Is the mm -hmm. oil everywhere? We got a lot of buildings. We got mm. a lot of campfire setups, but we ain't got a lot of oil. Man, you better preach, and, man. And so it's going to be the true oil that's going to make a difference. We yeah. got. People in recovery, they they know these churches everywhere, yeah. but they need somebody real. They need somebody yeah. that walks into oil. Yeah. How can yeah. I tell you about something? How can I give you something that's hard to swallow, except for the oil can make that pill hard to swallow? Right, and go down, yeah. You wow. know, the oil, not only that, the oil will put you in places that you wouldn't have fit in before. That's right. You know? And that's good. So the oil, that's what the Lord has really been dealing with me about mm. a lot, is the power and the potency of the oil. Hmm. And we preach about Mary's alabaster box all the time. We don't preach about the contents of it. Hmm. One of the contents was spikenard, spikenard oil. Hmm. Well, they would use spikenard to also treat wounds. Wow. And so if you had a wound that was stinking, it was putting off this aroma, hmm. this nasty smell, they would right. put the spikenard on there. You wouldn't smell the wound no more. You smell the oil. The right. problem is, is we got people trying to treat wounds their way instead of doing it the spiritual way. Because if we treat it with the oil, the right mm -hmm. way, spiritually, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. smell the wound. I smell the oil. I smell the anointing. Mm. But she had that box. And I ain't mm. trying to get on here and preach. No, go ahead, bro. <laughs> but they couldn't smell the perfume that was in there. Mm. They just looked at the box. They said, look here, she brought this in here. This could mm. be sold and this, that, and the other. Yeah, yeah. And then they said, if this man was a prophet, he would know who's touching him. Mm. But her, the oil that was in the box was concealing the perfume. It was concealing the aroma. Mm -hmm. So wow. sometimes your oil can be so strong. God wants you to be concealed so you can get behind enemy lines. Mm. And your oil opens. Come on, man. That's the thing. A lot of people, we're stepping into a season where a lot of people don't look the way people think they should look. Right. But they've got a concealant type oil that's yeah. going to get them behind enemy lines. That's so they're good, gonna, Jeremy. They're going to be able to recover people. Wow. That's the thing. Your oil, your oil. If, a lot of people are catching flies with their oil. Mm. And they need to be catching souls. Yeah. You know? Wow, that's good. That's so, good. Uh, yeah. And it, take, it takes a press. You know, it takes mm -hmm. that press. You got to go mm -hmm. through that process. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, there was the, you, you had, we talked earlier about my testimony with the cancer. And, uh, you know, I've diagnosed I went, with cancer in 2012. Yeah. yeah Let's yeah. just recap this real quickly. But supernaturally healed of the cancer in 2000, they go in to do surgery and you're like, I ain't got no cancer. God has spoke to you that you was going to be healed. Yeah. You just by faith. I don't have no cancer. They go to open your throat up and the cancer was gone. Yes. And I, in the beginning of it, man, I didn't want that thing. Right. 
Mm. I didn't want that press. Right. But now I went through it. And mm. my oil is stronger because of my faith. That's, you know, that's that's the thing. You, my oil is stronger. These things that we go through, leadership, the things that they're going mm. through, keep going through it because it makes your oil stronger. Man, that's so good. Stronger. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say this real quick about that too, man. I think it's a tactic of the enemy, and we talked about this before you came on. It's a tactic of the enemy to get you off the press. Yes. It's a tactic of the enemy to get you off the press. We as Christians and believers, we feel like we ain't supposed to go through anything anymore. But those are the things, those are the seasons, those are the times that God puts you on that press and squeezes you to produce what you were born to produce, which is the oil. We were called to be saturated in the oil, uh, to not only produce oil, but to uh, produce oil in others, right? Yeah. Uh, to help birth, to help spark and set those things ablaze in other people, man. That, that That's so good, man. I I hate to even move on, but we, we I want to move on to this, but it ties into the oil of what you're talking about because I heard you mention it a couple of times when you were talking about the oil, what, what God is speaking to the body of Christ, protecting our oil, having the oil. Number one, let's get the oil, then let's protect it, right? Um, but always on this show, we we like to talk about recovery in the church. You know, this is recovery to recovered podcast. Sure, I bring on the fivefold ministry. We talk about the prophetic. We talk about souls being saved, evangelism, teaching, preaching, all those things. Um, but I always like to give our our listeners something to do with recovery, just because of my background and where I come from, and all of those things. But man, what I'm hearing you say too is, you know, the it's going to take the oil to reach that community of people. So so let me turn you loose on that. What what would you have to say on that? Uh, yeah, that's one thing. Of course, we love doing recovery. I've all, I, I love doing it. That's I'll be honest with you, man. Recovery services have always probably been my favorite services to go to because you have a people that are in there who are really hungry for the oil. Right. They don't want all the pretty. They want mm-hmm. they want they know what it's like to be there. They don't want to go back to it and they know who got them out of it. Right. right. And so I love that because the church, man, we got a lot of people too dignified to raise their hand to say amen. Come on, man. You know, come and, on. Um, but uh, I love the recovery stuff and the oil, you know, they, they're the saying when I grew up is real recognizes real. That's right. Yeah. And they're going to be able to tell if you real or not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've seen, I've been in recovery services, man. And I, I was in a service and I shared my testimony about what God brought me out of with the drugs and, and all of this other kind of stuff. And I had a guy come up to me who had, um, crack cocaine on him. on him on him come on man <laughs> and literally he said look man he said i need what you got yeah and he gives he goes to give the he gives tries to give it to me i said no i said here's what we're gonna do we got rid of man we got rid of all of it right there yeah yeah and god changed his life come on man and so here's the thing and i try to tell young people i try to tell people in addiction mm-hmm. i wasn't perfect man right you know, right when i got out of church i got into addiction and people have this mindset when you get into addiction, that's all you're ever going to be looked at. Right, right. And so God brings me through all of these things and, and changed my life, got me out of addiction, got me right back where I needed to be Actually, further. I say right where I need to be. He got me further than I ever was. Yeah. yeah but in addiction, yeah. people need hope. Right, right. They need hope. They need to know, hey, am I always going to be looked at this way? Mm-hmm. I may not talk about my addiction much, 
The reason is, is I don't talk about where I've been when I'm focused on where I'm going. Come on. And I try to tell that to people. Every uh, recovery service I do, you'll have somebody who wants to come talk to you. And you tell, they'll say, man, I didn't know you. You never would have guessed that you was that kind of person. There's a right. reason for that. Yeah. And so I try to teach people that's in recovery, don't allow your language to be on where you were. Come on, man. Yeah. Don't allow your language to be on where you were. Yeah. You know, you you go from recovered, your recovery to recovered. That's right. When you're recovered, when you you, you fixing that arm or whatever, when it yeah. gets broke, man, you don't say, oh man, you don't always talk about your arm being broke. Yeah. Man, you start you using that arm. Come on, man. And so I tell them, like, look, man, God can do anything. That's you. right. Yeah. He can do anything. And when you find out the people that have have went through these stuff, like you had Daryl Strawberry on here, man. I never would have knew that stuff about him. Right, right. <laughs> because it's not part of his language. Right, right. There is hope, man. That's, That's it. There is hope. doesn't mm-hmm. matter where they've been. And the the biggest thing for the body of Christ, I guess the, the church you could say, is recovery people need that faith. They need that oil. Come on, come and on. And people are hoarding it up. Yeah. Like, how's the church going to grow if we ain't being yeah. the church? Yeah, we think it's for church folk. Yeah, it's it's for everybody. And this, yes, so when man in recovery, I'm gonna tell you something. I spend as much time as I can with everybody. I don't care who mm-hmm. it is. I will stay until midnight if somebody wants right. to talk to me. Yeah. Because what they need is that oil. How else are That's they right. gonna get it unless yeah. somebody is? And uh, I I love seeing what I'm seeing uh, in the recovery services that I've been to. Mm-hmm. We've got there's one of them. Uh, this young lady and this kind of drop a little seed of hope for some people. Yeah. She yeah. Was in a bad way. I'm talking about, she was on the mm. inmate roster every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, real, real bad, lost her kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so now God is restoring her. She's a worship leader at the church. Come leads, on, Jesus. She, she, she leads the work. So she leads worship at the recovery services. <laughs> then she leads worship at the church. And now the Lord is, is moving the the uh, pieces into position for her career, wow. uh, her children to be back. See, that's the thing. Recovery isn't just you recovering; is yeah. God recovering what you were intended to have the entire time? Come on, man, that's it. That's you know, it. people, people. It's not just about you recovering where you need to be with God. There are mm-hmm. things I tell people this, and I fully believe it. Mm-hmm. We have a trajectory that God has us on. Mm-hmm. We can make decisions that will cause us to lose certain things. David made a decision when he was in Ziklag, right? Right, right. Yeah. But the Lord says, I'm, you're going to recover all. Mm-hmm. He, they recovered the women and the children. That's right. There's, these people that's in recovery, they lose the hope that they'll get their kids back. They lose mm-hmm. the hope that they'll get their lives back, family rifts. That became, you know, God can restore all of that stuff, man. Right. He can restore all of that. It's nothing. There's no, if people say, oh, I've spent so much of my life. I've lost so much time, mm. been, in, been in addiction all my life. I wasted all these years. That time ain't nothing with God. It's, Come on, man. You serve an eternal God, man. He can snap his fingers yeah. like that. He know? lives outside of time and space, yeah, man. It's and I, not... I've seen, man, I've seen people who was in it who are now uh, ministers. Right, ministers, right. bro, that were, I mean, bad. Yeah. And it's, it's inspiring to me. You know, absolutely, man. That's two of us right here on this on this yeah, show today, on, man. I mean, two, two folks that was wrapped up in addiction for years, man, and now just helping expand the kingdom of God and being yeah, something sure. that's way bigger than ourselves. And let me tell you something. Let me just encourage somebody while we're here. You know, me and Jeremy 
ain't nobody special on this show today. What God did in our life, he will do in yours. The only question is, are you willing to surrender like we surrendered? Are you willing to give everything up like we gave everything up? Are you willing to say, throw your hands in the air and say, God, I'm done doing things my way. I'm going to do things your way. Teach me your word. Disciple me. Let me sit underneath somebody. Set me free. Heal me. Deliver me and set me free. Right. That's sozo, right? Being saved, set free, healed and delivered. I mean, you know, all of those things are available to you. Um, just like they're available to me and Ivy here. And man, that's some good stuff. You know, I love what you touched on too. You know, we got so many people out here, you know, once an addict, always an addict. They they use those terminologies. They use those type of uh, words and terminology and meetings and things like that. You're, But you're not what your past mm. is. You're not what your past was or whatever. You know, God has incredible things in store for you, incredible plans in store for you in your life. Uh, and we in the church community, we have the oil, we have the answers uh, for the individuals dealing with addiction and into recovery. You know, it's funny you mentioned it. That's the name of the show, Recovery to Recovered. And that's a whole gospel uh, kingdom principle just in itself. We all were jacked up, messed up, broken, all of these things. But we come to Jesus and he begins to put us back together. So there is this uh, road to recovery. I always say it, too. It's kind of a slogan here on the show. There's there's a road to recovery, but it ends on a street called Redeemed. Yeah, come on. You're not always going to be in. Re I don't even tell people I'm in recovery. Well, you I'm recovered. God yeah. set me free, heal me and deliver. Me. That's not a, coming from a place of arrogance where I don't I'm not saying that. God is not working on me still, or that God is not working and moving and teaching and, and all those things. But I am not in a state of recovery. I'm recovered because of the blood of the lamb, right? I, I have renewed my yeah. mind and, and yes. in a constant state of renewing my mind. So, I mean, uh, that doesn't come from a place of arrogance, but it comes from a place of understanding the finished work of the cross, man. Man, what an incredible, incredible show today, man. We're kind of running out of time, man. We're going to have to bring you back on because I know me and you could have, <laughs> we could have went on probably for a couple of hours, man, just talking kingdom stuff, man. So, so we're going to bring you back on brother Ivy, man. That was incredible, man. Thank you for sharing all of those things, encouraging the body. Why don't you tell our listeners, brother, how they can connect with you on social media, book you and your precious wife, Ashley, to come in. I know y'all do worship and you'll preach and she does worship and, and all those things. Yeah. So how can our listeners connect with you on social media, websites, all of that, or book you guys? Uh, you can find us on Ivy Ministries on Facebook. Uh, then myself, Jeremy Ivy on Facebook. If you So we, we're pretty responsive on our, our Facebook page. Um, so Ivy Ministries on Facebook, and then Jeremy Ivy, uh, and then Ashley Ivy um on facebook you can find us on there uh then we have our our website we're currently working on you can get to you can get us on there so that's going to be ivyministries.com come on just on there uh so and then if you want you can email us at ivyministries at gmail.com uh and reach out to the, us on those uh, that way we can uh, get back in touch with you uh, for booking and scheduling and stuff like that awesome brother awesome man i just feel led right now man you got that evangelist uh, anointing on you, bro. Why don't you close us out in prayer? And man, if there's anybody listening today that just needs to get their heart right with Jesus, lead them in a prayer, whether that's a salvation for the first time, 
or whether that's a rededication, man, just somebody give them the opportunity, brother, to get right with God right here as we close this uh, show out. Yes. Father, we thank you, Lord. Yes, Lord. Beautiful, beautiful day. We thank you for our brother, Pastor Caleb McCall, this opportunity to spread more of your word and a testimony. But Lord, right now, if there's anybody that is listening that is facing any adversity in their life, whether it be depression, oppression, going through some type of abuse, addiction, Lord, we speak to them right now and we speak hope into them. And we want you to know that Jesus is the answer for you. Yes. That all you have to do is just call on his name, speak to him, and he'll come into you, give your life over unto him, that there is hope for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you're going through, there is the next chapter. Thank you, Lord. Your current chapter may be rough. It may be tattered, but it's time for you to turn your page and allow Mm. God to lead you into the next step of your life. We thank you, Father. We give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. Until next time, we will catch you later. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvascheppieville.com or bethebushministries.com. If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack, as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack, and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered podcast.